Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. It's extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. You're listening to Bandwagons. If you follow us on Instagram, you'll already be familiar with um, that <laughs> that uh, that song. Um, Breed August Fanula back once again. Leshan Renegade Master. Leshan Renegade Master. Yeah, we're uh, we're back. We've got a big. Uh, we've got a pretty juicy ep, I think. Uh, uh, yeah, for you this today. is definitely the episode I've been most excited about ever since starting listening to podcasts. Yeah, thick and juicy like Roxy Andrews is this uh, <laughs> subject matter. I would say. Uh, and I think I think Breach should lead this in because this is very much her bandwagon. Oh, this is so much pressure. <laughs> okay, so uh, most people that I know listen to band listen to bandwagons, but also well, other, do. other podcasts are available. <laughs> <laughs> we are the only podcast. Most people I know that listen to podcasts started listening to podcasts because of this topic, uh, myself included, and the topic is true crime. Ooh. So we are actually jumping on this bandwagon ourselves and even picking it as a topic. Mm. Yeah, it's a huge thing. I think it's gotten way more popular in recent years and I think it's kind of contributed to like the podcast renaissance, if you can call it that. I mean, my first memory of like ever hearing about like true crime beyond it being like a horrible thing that people do um, in terms of being a genre of entertainment was my sister started listening to Serial and I remember we were out getting like breakfast in Cork for some reason and she spent the entirety of the breakfast listening to cereal and actively ignoring me. Oh my God. Yeah, I know, rude. Thanks, Neil. Um, And I remember kind of being intrigued then, but to be honest, it's never something that's managed to hold my interest for very long. I've tried cereal. I've tried making a murderer. Cereal didn't even hold your interest? I've tried making a murderer. Did you try my favourite murder? No, no matter how many times you've told me to. I think I will try, I, like I'm open to trying everything, but just what I have watched or listened to so far, it just hasn't, I don't think I've had the same fascination or love for it as you have and so many yeah. others have. It is inherent, like it's like liking sport or liking a certain genre of music. What was the, what was the first true crime thing that you listened to or watched? Um, in terms of like recent media, it was serial as well. Mm-hmm. But like once I got into it and got into like the whole true crime fan community, it goes back like your my whole life. Like you know, remember those documentaries were always on like really late at night, and it was missing people or mm. like 
people that were missing in the 80s and like just reenactions and even like crime call like you know just things crime like that crime call is a buzz things like that just really fascinate yeah. me yeah and I just uh, like women who snap like uh Women I survived. Snap. Here, that's why. Why don't we call this podcast "Women Who Snap"? Because that's essentially all it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really interesting that you say that because I suppose it's not that I'm not interested in crime because obviously I'm coming at it from a journalistic background and, like as we said, or like as we said in the horoscopes episode, like I was obsessed with reading the paper and there were yeah. certain cases within like Cork and stuff and whatever that I would have obsessively read about yeah. in terms of newspapers. But that but was because you you were more into the journalism of fair, it. Fair, yeah, but that's the thing. story, like than the, the true crime yeah. element of it. I just can't get in, I haven't been able to get into this as a form of entertainment, but it's like, it's kind of ironic because I was actually on talking about, I suppose why it's come around to be a bandwagon again is uh, the Ted Bundy tapes are out yeah. and the trailer for the Ted Bundy movie with Zac Efron is in, which is extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile. That's out at some stage this year. Yeah. There's no definitive date yet. But I was actually on the morning show talking about it and talking about how... Do you want to pick up that name you dropped? <laughs> Rude. Um, I was talking about how there was a lot of criticism in terms of how the story was being portrayed and whether Ted Bunny was being romanticised with this trailer because obviously we're so familiar with Zac Efron being this heartthrob and high school musical and being the singer of that... Uh, Greatest Showman. Gr- no, I was going to say be, uh, bet on it. <laughs> 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 like, tune. Um, and at the time, when I, was, when I was talking about it on the radio, I was like, oh, I don't really think it's been romanticised. I think we could explaining in terms of like the charm and that it made perfect sense casting and stuff but when I tweeted that I was on it um, someone replied to me and was like I think it's kind of weird it's weird how there's like people are cashing in on true crime as entertainment when often these crimes are like extremely violent they're mainly targeting females um, and just how it is a bit distasteful when you kind of separate yourself from it and look back on it. Would you agree with that? I, or? W- <clears throat> I would agree to an extent, but I would also argue that you can find that in everything. Like rap music has a lot of violence and stuff. Like, like you know what I mean? Fair. If you want to find violence in things and, you know, look at it from that perspective, you'll find it in films, you'll find it in music, you'll find it everywhere. So I don't think, like... You can't. Absolutely, and I think I mean it is like these things happen. Like, yeah, they're they're worth talking about. I think it's more the argument that he was making. I suppose was that I suppose so much focus is usually placed on like the perpetrators as opposed to the victims. Yeah. Like, even if you take into account, I have seen the trailer for the Ted Bundy movie. Obviously, I haven't seen the Ted Bundy tapes, which you have. Yeah, but there seems to be. The main criticism is the lack of emphasis on the victims. Like, I mean, not I would struggle to name a Ted Bundy victim off the top of my head, to be honest, but everyone knows Ted Bundy. Yeah. I think if you were were to focus on the victims, that's when it kind of gets sad. Like, I know that's really bad. Like, people are fascinated with the killers because the killers, n- nobody, like, they're the anomaly. Anyone could be the victim. And that's not taken away from, like, people who are victims, but anyone could be the victim. Like, you don't necessarily need you don't necessarily find yourself like wanting to know more about them because it's just like they're I don't know what I'm trying to say like people are fascinated in in the case of Ted Bundy people are fascinated with him because he is such a freak and like he's just a freak he's Mm. a character he's a so he's a psychopath he and the girls he 
uh, murdered were just like me or you. They could have been anyone. I don't think. Yeah. There's a like the other uh, like apart from him, there's no story there. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that was one of the things. Uh, my colleague in the journal, Aoife Barry, she actually interviewed. Um, a what is her correct title? A forensic psychologist, and she's a lecturer in UCC. Her name's Dr. Kira Staunton, and she kind of tried to give some insight as to why there is such an interest in this as a genre now and how it's kind of blown up. Um, she said serial killer stories are highly seductive in terms of curiosity, looking at how and why someone could do it. And yeah. um, there's obviously an element of the, like this morbid fascination. And just the point that you hit on there, what's more terrifying is that things of such a horrific nature can be done by people who look like the average Joe, like Joe, like people you'd walk past yeah. in the street. Like, Yeah, that was the thing with uh, Ted Bundy as well. Like, uh, There's a book by Anne Rule called The Stranger Beside Me. And Anne Rule, I think, actually were, like worked in a suicide hotline, sat beside Ted Bundy for years. She called him my friend Ted. And they, like, he used to... F- uh, field phone calls from mm. people who were uh, suicidal like and when the whole uh, thing came out about they were looking for a guy this was the drawing his name was Ted he had this yellowy brown Volkswagen Beetle she was like that like it was such a strange car and the name everything matched up she phoned him in and she said it can't be my friend Ted but he fits the description and he it was Ted Bundy like it was him yeah. his own wife phoned him in yeah like but people but none of them believed it mm. the, it was they had so much detail about them that it was hard to deny. Yeah. But it's... Um, but he was so unassuming. But that's the thing and it's funny as well even Variety actually interviewed the director I think it's Joe Berninger's I'm not pronouncing that right but that is his name. Um, he's directing the Ted Bundy movie and he inter- they interviewed Zac Efron as well and Zac Efron was like I was really conscious of not having it be like a romanticised portrayal but yeah. even he could recognise the similarities he saw within himself and Ted, even yeah. down to like mannerisms and the charm. Like I'm really, really intrigued to see it. I think another one of the criticisms is that I think with most true crime stuff, like they do really go into the nitty gritty. Whereas the movie, you're actually, when it comes out, you're not going to see any of the killings and there's very little gore in it. Yeah, and which that is was, fair. Like, yeah. That's so, no, but to I think, respect. No, but I think it's, it's kind of a risky move as well, into, like in terms of feeding into that narrative where it's like, oh, well, you, like, look at big, sexy Ted. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I do think and romanticising it. People are finding it hard to draw the line between Zac Efron and Ted Bundy. Like, mm. you do not fancy Ted Bundy from watching the Ted Bundy tapes. Yeah. That's yeah. not like it, you fancy Zac Efron, yeah. In any scenario, yeah. I think I don't know. I suppose it's also, that thing of that argument of separating art from the person. I don't even yeah. know if the, you can apply that here because it's it's so multi layered. But what like what I said on the show as well, I was just like, I think you need to go into any of these things. And I do think you need to go into any like a uh, true crime movie that's not necessarily a documentary, like a biopic or whatever. You need to go in armed with an amount of facts that you're not coming out and being like, oh, like totally enamoured with this figure or whatever. Like I think, wh- like what did you think of the Ted Bundy tapes? What did you think of the, doc- the Netflix documentary? Um, I thought it was very well made compared to, like there's a new one of these true crime documentaries comes out every week on Netflix. Yeah. And I've started to kind of get bored of them and they all seem to mesh into one. Yeah. Um, And the Ted Bundy tapes was very well done. The timeline was very well done. I find, yeah, I do feel, I do agree with people who said that it was given Ted Bundy a voice even after he's gone when he doesn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. 
and given him the status he wanted to yeah. be this famous serial killer. And it's just playing into what he wanted. And yeah. Is it justified? Like, does he deserve it? Just on that point, do you, like, do you think we've hit peak saturation point with true crime because I know no. I didn't well Rosemary Cape was talking about it on her Instagram story that like she is a podcast fiend and true crime especially as well like yourself and she was saying that she's just kind of I think it was case files in particular which I've never listened case to I don't files know if you have so long yeah I think she was uh, she was just saying but they're great I think I'm just I, I think I'm kind of done with it yeah I do hit a point though where I will consume so much true crime in terms of like a, a, whether it's a podcast series or a Netflix series or um, at the time of the Golden State Killer, uh, which I'll get into, um, it was just everywhere. And I'd even go to sleep at night and like have nightmares. And mm. then I'd wake up and be like, okay, maybe I need to take a few weeks off. Yeah. And then, like, it's just, you never get sick of your favourite like, music, you know? Yeah. You never get sick. It's just another thing. Yeah, well, I think I suppose it's that binge element as well. Yeah. Whereas it's not, not that I'm saying it's harmful, but I suppose... It's different to, well, I'm going to sit down now and watch 10 episodes of fucking Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt or something as well. Yeah, like, and then, like, you know what I mean? I couldn't have chosen a more, like, <laughs> couldn't have chosen a more, like, not CD yeah. comparison. But, like, you get what I mean? I suppose binge culture plays into that as well, where it's like, even back in the day, because, I mean, true crime has been a thing since, like, the 60s or 70s. It's but, like, oh, no, sorry. I would argue it's always been a thing. People have always been fascinated with death. Oh, I, absolutely. But I'm saying as an entertainment model, like, okay, yeah, in, there was a book called In Cold Blood. Was It's credited with being, like, the first true crime book of its origins. It was released in the early 60s. Like, okay. that's... How many years ago is that? Like, 50-ish? Like, you know what I mean? But in terms of that, like, you're getting all that from, like, literature and, like, just reading. There's so much like visual content now like I yeah. like I don't know how you do it like I know you're saying you do get freaked out sometimes but like but I don't get freaked out I like I could not for the life of me sit down and watch a, like a gruesome like a Saw movie I can't go near them but I can sit down and watch like crime scene yeah. look at crime scene photos all day that was actually something that I think one of the girls brought up in work as well that she wanted Aoife to ask um, Dr. Saunton just said like she's like I just don't get it like I will listen for hours like on dark commutes whenever to the most grim things but she was like I will cower behind a sofa if you put on like paranormal activity I, or that's something exactly like, me I'm the exact same it's crazy yeah but I think so I've tried to like in preparation for this episode I've been asking myself the question like why am I so fascinated by it what is it about like true crime and murder and just like bad things that mm. like are so, like that I just find fascinating and am I a weirdo and <laughs> well yeah but for other reasons so what I can decipher from it is that people want to be prepared people always want to protect themselves against danger mm -hmm. and I think especially with my personality like I get anxieties about like oh my god this car is going to crash this bus is going to crash this plane is going to flip like I don't know <laughs> do wheelie do wheelie and I think that true crime, the more you look into it, the more you research it, you think you're preparing yourself for if I was in that situation. I never would have thought of it like that before at all. What would I do and would I survive it? Turn off your phone. That's so rude. That was an alarm. Sorry. <laughs> alarm to have fun with me. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's what I think I get from it. It's like the more I know about it, the more I can 
be prepared for it if it was ever to happen to me. I would have thought, and this definitely is, like, we're not going to get into, we're not going to cover why everyone likes it because obviously it's such a personal thing. But yeah. I would have thought it's probably like a moral boost for people as well. Yeah, you know oh, I mean? definitely. And you want to feel that sense of relief, like, oh, well, oh, at least I'm not a murderer or at least I haven't been murdered. Yeah. That is definitely... Because I remember when you were talking to me about a particular episode of My Favourite Murder about your one who... The arms got chopped off. Yeah, and but, and she like dragged herself... <gasps> what was her name? All over I'm the... I'm going to actually like, look that up because She, that's... like, I'm going to do such a bad job of describing this and then hopefully Breed will jump in when she brings it up. But like she gets kidnapped and her arms get chopped off and then she's like thrown down a valley and like drags herself back to safety where she's found and like Mary Vincent look up the story of Mary Vincent like it's incredible she survives yeah we may yeah. put that up on our Instagram story because it's actually even if you're not like credit to my favourite murder it, yeah. that is a great episode to it's, start if you've never listened to that yeah, podcast I was before. just I remember just being in awe because I am a whinge bag at the highest degree and I remember being like oh my god Fanula shot the hell up you about still have your arms. I still have my arms. I wasn't thrown out of a moving car in but, a valley. Like I just kept imagining her like crawl, and I was like, oh, yeah. Like it's just. But Mary Vincent would never have saw herself in that situation. But when it happened to her, she adapted and yeah. she survived. I just can't. Like I survived is another show where people all like go through these horrendous things. Yeah, and just somehow by whatever miracle survive and yeah. it's just one of those things where you're like oh well class like if my car flips into a ravine I could survive it because this guy did it's it's gen- I think it's like that fight or flight um, evolutionary trait that we all have where yeah. it's like what can I what skills or tools can I give myself to best defend myself in yeah. the face of danger in your opinion in terms of serial killers and people who do absolutely decrepit things do you think it's a case of nature or nurture uh yeah i would say it's nature but also from what i've heard if you look at most uh big serial killers they all had a head injury when they were younger and i think i've heard this on other podcasts i think it's my i'm gonna it's all gonna come back to my favorite murder if you don't listen to it you should um if you're into this kind of thing they uh, like in their childhood stories there's always some sort of head injury that I would attribute to them like some part of their brain just got knocked and yeah. then they became horrible horrible people when I was younger I used to think that it was entirely nurture which seems like really misguided now because like yeah. if you look at it in certain cases like it's just that's not like it's definitely not I like in fairness in most some of cases, them have really crappy childhoods no and sorry that's what I was just about to say like that but, obviously plays into it but I just think but it, lots more people have crappy childhoods that don't murder people but that's the thing and I think I like I don't know it's just like I think it really takes something internally yeah, to be like wrong. yeah yeah I actually looked up the statistics um, to see how many sociopaths, psychopaths walk among us. And that's not to say that those people are murderers. Yeah. But they that just have that kind of different... Those traits, like, Those yeah. traits, that different kind of brain. 4% of people are sociopaths. Yeah, I remember seeing that on the... Did you watch the Shane Dawson documentary? No. To go off on a brief tangent. Um, Yeah, he covered a lot of that and some of it was, like, totally sensationalist and, like, you de- take it with a big... Spoon of salt. Big spoon of salt, but... um. Yeah, it was kind of, it made me, like, it makes you examine your own friend groups. and oh, like, I have the hundred, like, I have a hundred people that you know, four of them are sociopaths. Isn't and that one a of crazy? The, one, of, one of them Two is Bradley them Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, stop, I just ruined that joke. Um, 
No, but I eat like it's always that question I think of who could be a hundred people in a room. <laughs> who do you think could though? Because even I don't know if you saw the last episode of First Dates. There yeah. was a Tui and she had her question cards about like like wh- what would you do if you found out your partner of however many years was a serial killer? You'd turn but, them in if you have any right mind about you. Oh yeah, no, like I'm not saying I wouldn't like but I'm I don't know. Pose the question. Yeah, and 1% of people are psychopaths. Okay. Which is like just outrageous. Like you definitely know at least I don't know. How many people do you generally know a lifetime? lot, I think. Psychopaths, though. Yeah, well, yeah. So I looked up the difference between sociopaths and psychopaths because okay. it's always playing on my mind. Yeah. Because I throw around the terms very loosely at people that I shouldn't. <laughs> I Like, if someone walks in front of me on a bad day, yeah. I will be like, what a sociopath. Yeah, it's like, literally. Um, they're just in a rush. <laughs> so, they have somewhere to be. Sociopaths and psychopaths both share the same traits that they don't feel empathy. They can't uh, sympathise with other people. Okay. Can't empathise. But uh, psychopaths can mimic emotions so that and they can charm you so Ted Bundy was a psychopath he could mimic emotions and let you think that he was a completely normal functioning person yeah whereas sociopaths are more easy to spot and can will usually not acknowledge that they're in the wrong and try blame their circumstances or the people around them okay for their wrongdoings yeah which I think that's so scary like you could know how many like I could be a psychopath and you'd never know I think I've given a lot away on this podcast <laughs> Um, anyway, what would you think is the, <laughs> what would you say is the scariest case that you've ever been kind of morbidly obsessed with? Oh, I really, I don't want to be basic about it, but I really, really want to know what happened to Albany Ramsey. Yeah. I really, really do. Would you, have you, is this the, have you watched the Netflix thing on it? That's crap, yeah. Oh, is it? Jean-Benet. yeah. It's would you say shite. that's probably the worst true crime thing you've ever watched? No. What's the worst There's crime a lot thing of you've ever watched? I had to stop. I've started watching Evil Genius and had to stop. I've heard, yeah, very mixed things about that. Yeah, because I knew the case and it's a really good story, but it was just shocking. Sorry, the second season of Making a Murderer was one of the worst things I've ever put eight hours into. That was I. That was flogging it. Now, again, like I'm really familiar with the case and the show from writing about it, but yeah. I haven't... Don't. I couldn't get into it. No, but even writing about it, I was like, there's nothing new to cover. Like, not really, like, so yeah. I didn't really know. It just pure seemed to be, like, trying to keep on a bandwagon for as long as possible yeah. and absolutely flog the shit out of a dead horse. Like, Yeah. I do think um, there was other... Some I'm going to just throw out some really good ones. The Amanda, no- Amanda Knox one on I, Netflix is very I, good. I, sorry, I don't know what I'm talking about because I actually forgot I watched that and that. I very, very good. I Isn't really it? enjoyed that, yeah. Very good. Did she do it? Um, I don't know. She might be listening. <laughs> I really hope not. Don't forget to leave um, a review. I just think she, no. I don't think she did it. I just think she's an odd person. I I felt the exact same. But like, I feel like some people ever. I think Sheena, my housemate, was like. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. She could have been a sociopath, but she's not a murderer. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, that's very enjoyable. What else do you like? 
I listened to West Cork, the podcast. I feel like, Excellent. yeah. Anytime I meet a... I met a Cork person the other night and they were saying that they are just constantly asked if they know your man Ian Bailey. I'm no like, way. Like, yeah, literally. Like, just he still lives in there, does he? Oh, yeah, no, he's flat out, like, just milling about, like, you know what I mean? But just to clarify, not all Cork people know Ian Bailey. <laughs> I really want to speak for my people here. Um, I, ca- I actually did really want to get into that, but Audible as a platform... Just get the free trial. Wrecks my tits. I got the free trial. It was... Anyway. I know, I know. You really have to want it. Yeah, and I, I probably didn't. I didn't want it enough. But yeah, like, that case is just... Like, it's so far. Like, I feel like it's great. Like, everyone can be like, oh, this is class because it's Cork. I know Cork. I know Ireland. But then the characters in it are so, like, it's like something from Murder She Wrote. Yeah. It's it's weird. It's a weird one. Did you ever watch The Jinx? No, but I've heard good things about that as well. Yeah. If you're ever just going to put it, like, one series on The Jinx, is, um, I won't spoil it, but it's. It's out on its own. Yeah. Out in a league of its own. In turn, okay, so in terms of things that I have tried to watch, so Mindhunter, I got like two episodes Mindhunter's in. Mindhunter's great. <sighs> I only watch it because your man, Jonathan. Fiction. Jonathan, isn't it? <laughs> I know, point, but like... Point. Um, the characters are real. The, the story is not. The rulings are final. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, yeah, I couldn't get much further with that. Same with um, Wild Wild Country. I really, really yeah. wanted to... I know that's of a Close. different genre technically but like yeah. I really really wanted to enjoy that because I just the cults would fascinate me more than like yeah. stabbing and dying what's your and favourite cult? what's my favourite oh probably Charles Manson like yeah yeah I read a book recently that was like loosely based on it and I was I, it wasn't that good and I was really disappointed because I really wanted it to be good but it's The Girls by Emma Klein it's on my Instagram if you want to have a look Tell you what I was kind of very initially excited for and then like now extremely morally conflicted about. Um, so the Oscars are coming up. Um, they're yeah. on the 24th of February. There is an Irish-directed film up for Best Short Film. It's called Attainment. And it is about the murder of Jamie Bulger. I don't know if you're familiar with that case. Yeah. Yeah, it's grim. Jamie was two years old and was led away by uh, John Venables and Robert Thompson. They were both under the age of 11 and tortured him and killed him and left his body to die. And yeah, it's, uh, it's awful. It's an awful, awful, awful case. And but one that completely gripped the world. And again, as I already made reference to, I was familiar with it even growing up. I don't even remember like hearing about it on the news, but I remember seeing the name yeah. and seeing the mugshot. What age were we up. when it happened? Do we know? Do we remember? Oh, because like it's one of those things where it's like one of my earlier. Yeah, like I couldn't tell you now, but you like young enough that I obviously still do remember. But I just I remember, as I said, seeing the mugshots in the paper, and I would obsessively read everything about it in the paper which I probably shouldn't have given like oh it was 93 how would we remember that oh we wouldn't have. <laughs> we were not born <laughs> um, but I suppose in the aftermath and yeah like, it was always just one of those big big cases yeah so like the two lads were tried as adults and it was one of those th- tried for murder and it was just the extent of the torture and stuff we're not going to get into it here if you're no, not familiar so with not, it we're not about like that. yeah look it up but basically, detainment is based on uh, the transcripts, the transcripts uh, from the interviews with the two boys. And if anyone's watched the trailer, it is an uncomfortable watch. Like, in terms of, the like, they're very good actors. It's a very hard watch. Um, but there's been a good bit of controversy surrounding it because the director, Vincent Lamb, they didn't ask Jamie Bulger's mother... 
permission. Denise Fergus is her name. They didn't make their intentions clear about what they were doing. And she's arguing that the movie puts the two killers in a, like, not a good light per se, but a sympathetic light. Yeah. Um, she's called on people to boycott it. There's 90,000 people signed a petition for it to be pulled from the Oscars. Now, I think the people behind the movie, and I think Vincent Lam has come out now and said, sorry, it kind of seems... To me, it's very much a case of too little, too late. But yeah. I know other people have been arguing that it's been such a public case and with such a matter of public interest. And she's written a book about it herself that, like it's kind of fair game, but do you th- do you think that's a fair argument for cases like this? I was just talking about it in work earlier and we would, like, it's it's kind of, it comes into, like, the, the area of censorship and who do, who gets to decide what can and can't be made. Yeah. Um, I do, I know if it was anyone related to me, I can completely get on board with, with Miss Ferguson, what's her name? Denise. Denise. Um, where like obviously you don't want your child's death being played out by someone who's never even spoken to you or yeah. being told in such a way. I do think the whole thing is told. It doesn't show any of the no the no no, no it does all. It's based set on in the police yeah. investigation room yeah. or questioning room. Um, so from that side, I kind of don't see a massive issue with it. I can see if it was like a really gruesome or awfully. But like what do you think in terms of depiction of it? Just not not even attempting to contact her at all. Or do you not think there's a kind of moral argument there? I feel like. Do you feel like if he had, she would have said no, and that's why he didn't. Perhaps, yeah. So you're just like, uh, what's the te- that's the phrase? Ask for forgiveness, don't ask for yeah. permission. I know that's so awful. It's just so. It's just so awful. There's no winners. There's no winners in this yeah. case at all. I yeah. don't. I can't justify this at all. I don't want to. I don't like talking about it. Where you're not going to watch it? I probably will. <laughs> is that really bad? Like, <laughs> oh, that's really bad, isn't it? On that note, there are cases where the media has really helped a case, and actually, in uh, what I'm going to talk about, the media played a massive part in solving the case and capturing um, one of the b- most notorious serial killers in American history, who was the Golden State Killer. Yeah. Um. So it started off in California. About 30 years ago, I want to say. Oh, oh I should have researched this better. Um, Where there was a man on the loose who was breaking into people's homes and raping women and young girls um, before escaping into the night and could not be caught. They had no... They, had no, they couldn't get him. They just couldn't get him. And it was years. He, I think he ended up raping over 50 women. Yeah. Um, more ten, than 50 rapes over murders. 100 burglaries at least 13 murders yeah. from 1974 to 1986 yeah they couldn't get him for years and years um, there was an uh, American author Michelle McNamara who was married to the comedian Pat Oswalt yeah who was who dedicated basically her whole life like her whole adult life to investigating this case so unfortunately Michelle actually died in 2016 but um, right before she died she had started writing this book called I'll Be Gone in the Dark all about the Golden State Killer and his crimes and she actually died just before she'd finished it so when uh, she after she'd passed her husband and her co-authors carried on and finished the book and released it and a few months after the book was released they actually caught the Golden State Killer um, who was Joseph James D'Angelo in his home he was a an ex-police officer um, who had managed to escape the police because he had 
he was. He had all the like the inside intelligence. He had all the inside intelligence, and he had like a radio, so he could hear where they would be. Um, he was trained, so he could like hop really high walls, and like drop and roll, and just he could always get away. Um, but her book is credited with being like one of the things that kept the case from going cold. Yeah. Um. I actually think how they got him was one of his family members put their DNA into like a twenty three and Me situation. Yeah, I sorry, I'd heard that now that you Yeah. So they were up, they were able to narrow down the DNA to within a, an extended family and then see who fit the profile and that's how they caught him. He still lived in the home he lived in at the time in uh the East Area, um in California. And he had like a wife, he had kids. But and then Michelle McNamara, unfortunately, died before she could see him caught and captured but she is credited with um, keeping this case in the press and yeah. keeping people talking about it until they got justice and it's great to see like a woman kind of lead that when so many of those crimes were like directed at women yeah. and it's nice to see that kind of turnaround and just to do that for it womankind it, yeah it kind of came full circle yeah. for um, so yeah that's my Happy, no, I think it is. Story. No, but I think you make a point as well about how, um, like it is beneficial in a lot of ways when the media can get involved, and we obviously have examples where it's not. But I mean, I like that is it's rare that you describe like true crime or that genre as heartwarming. But I remember I would have read a lot of the stuff and I would have followed Patton Oswalt in, in terms of getting this over the line yeah. and talking about his wife and just really like bizarrely endearing and then for it to come to like this uh, happy in inverted commas conclusion like there's something very satisfying about that yeah yeah it's it's and it was it all happened in such quick succession as well that it's hard not to credit her with with it yeah with some with some kind of how frustrating must it be for cases to go cold like do you know what I mean like in terms of I think I'm I'm just working off the top of my head here, but I think in America, like only ten percent of cases get solved, like murder cases. That's and you and like as we'd already said and said about Duran, he had a wife and kids. He yeah. like got up every day, brushed his teeth, went to bed, and was this sadistic, weird, yeah. horrible man at yeah. the core of it. It's mad. It's mad, and that's the whole. That is the thing with true crime. It's like anyone in your life could potentially be a Ted Bundy or uh James Joseph Joseph James D'Angelo it's just like the who is the killer among us and it's that kind of like tension and that's kind of it's kind of exciting and yeah. it's kind of like obviously in Ireland I don't know if you can say in Ireland there's not as many murderers it's kind of a safer place to live than America. I feel like if I lived in America, I'd think everyone I think was it's a just Yeah, but I think it's just a rule of population as well. Like, there's a lot more That's people, so, so more chances of being murdered, I suppose. But yeah, and less guns. <laughs> yes, less guns. Significantly less guns. <laughs> if you were to give... So say someone's listening now and they're like, right, I want to get started on this whole uh, true crime wave. What kind of focal points would you recommend to people or what three pieces of media... Would you be like, right, go listen to these or go watch these? I would have to say, just because I did it, the first season of Serial, the podcast, is incredible. Yeah. It's uh, so well made. It's so well laid out. The story is so, it's told so well um, that it's just, it's really gripping and you can't help but binge it. Mm -hmm. And then if you want something more lighthearted, 
obviously my favourite murder is my favourite podcast. <laughs> and you just like, but go back to the start because it's like jumping in to the middle of a conversation. Like, go back to the start. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. many episodes are there? Oh, it's going for years. Like once a week for years, twice a week for years. Yeah. Um, get Go back to the earlier episodes, get to know the hosts before you jump into the later ones because I don't think the later ones will grip you as much as the earlier ones do. Yeah. But get to enjoy true crime on a lighter note. And then also I have to give a shout out to um an Irish podcast who by a girl named Sinead who gave us a lot of help when we were starting up our podcast. Yeah, big she, up Sinead. She hosts an Irish true crime podcast called Men's Rea. Um and it's so well researched. Um it just really lays out timelines and stuff so easily and it's it's if you want to know the facts, that's the podcast. She's really good host. Um, and she just really knows what she's doing. Yeah. So I would recommend that as well. I sent you on one today as well that I haven't got a chance to listen to, but I know, uh, I just know it. she's a girl I follow on Twitter. Her name's Aoife. Um, she started one called Core. Um, and it's very kind of snappy and quick. And uh, I think she's studied criminology or is doing a master's in criminology. Class. So I would assume she knows what, he, what she's talking about. But it's always good to support our fellow female podcasters. So. On that note, the creep dive... Big ups to those gals. Yeah. It's not always true crime, but it is always creepy. Yeah. A lot of like, a lot of oddest, oddities that you wouldn't assume. Like it's, yeah. um, it's good wide. They're look weird and they're gas. Those yeah. gals are gas. What about you? <laughs> mm, Have I convinced you? Kind of. I'd be tempted to go back and... Uh, it's like trying to convince you to listen to K-pop or something that you just have no interest in, though. Um, yeah, well, I do. I, I'm a mild interest in K-pop. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm interested enough that I know that it's happening. Um, I'd pro- like, I probably would go back and listen to My Favourite Murder because I, like, believe it or not, I was actually really shy at listening to podcasts before we started one. I'm going to put that down to my shy attention span more than anything. So I'd probably lean more towards that. I feel like... The boat in terms of like m- like making a murder and serial are too far gone, and I didn't. I just serial did not, isn't always. I didn't like the format of serial. I just no, no. I was just like maybe it was just because it was like so heavily publicized as well that I was just too familiar with it already before starting in. Yeah, like I think that was the thing for, and I think it is the thing with uh, true crime where it's like in the same way that you would with like TV series, like you're kind of gripped with this like a fictional TV series you're gripped with this story and whatever but like I suppose there's always going to be spoilers with this kind of stuff and whatever I just feel like I'm too like semi-familiar with everything that nothing will shock me enough to want me to keep going with it does that make sense? because you already kind of know how it's going to play out so I don't know maybe but as you're saying like Netflix are dropping something like once every four seconds now like so hopefully there'll be something else um, I can get on the wagon with and like I'm like I'm fully going to watch that Zac Efron thing because I'm very intrigued by it and I would like to see um, how it's treated like because the critics are obsessed with it like the critics who saw it at Sundance said uh, well I think it's more Zac Efron's performance as Bundy yeah. like I think he could Captured be in well. yeah I think he could be in with a shout for some awards next year Class. but I don't know yeah so I'm excited knows. to see it Class. so let's just talk about something lighter please because I'm yeah, we're both, we're both kind of depressed now, <laughs> so we're going to move on to our mini fan dragons of the week. Oh. Breathe, what you got for us? Guys, so... <laughs> you know how again, you love... Once a again, loves wearing tights. I, okay, I really <laughs> want to just quickly interrupt here. Again, when I read the notes, I was like, Breathe, I don't have a fucking clue what you're talking about here. So I'm just going to let you take the reins. So okay. what is it, Breathe? So the weather's getting colder. 
you don't fire you can't always you, <laughs> your jeans are in the wash you have to wear tights but you know what the thing is with tights is the really annoying seam that runs along the toes yeah let me introduce you to the latest bandwagon that I'm going to start right now and it's called boot tights <laughs> boot tights boot tights boot tights <laughs> you can get them in pennies they're just a pair of socks on the end of a pair of tights so there's no seams and I'm obsessed with them I can't take them off I when I read them I thought they were a completely different thing they actually do seem kind of useful like they're, just, they're tights without seams in the feet yeah. they're like they're the shape of a sock in the feet I'm in love with this shape of sock um, <laughs> I wouldn't even think about it that that much though to be honest but like uh, but you're a weird like you know the way I no but you know the way I could right, not I didn't realise it was such a roast for fuck's sake you know the way I could not tolerate seams in the wrong places or, like, yeah, things, yeah fair you can just put things do you hate top seams in the wrong places notice. yeah fair um, you got one have I got one I, uh, you got one I sure do uh, a bandwagon or a seam in the wrong place <laughs> Um, yeah, I suppose the snow, the snow is back. Snow <laughs> to Revenge of the Sith or whatever the fuck it's called. Um, yeah. Back um, with the vengeance. I don't think we've gotten it as much in Dublin, but I, my mum sent me a lovely WhatsApp of my dad shoveling the drive the other day down in Cove. So big up Frank Jones. He's definitely not listening to this because he has an Android phone. <laughs> but we're hoping to rectify that soon. Um, coming to a stitcher near you, fingers crossed. But yeah, I don't think... There was the same level of pandemonium as there was last year. Not yet. I do think it's coming. I can oh, yeah, feel it I think, in, my, in my waters. Yeah. But like, I'm hoping not. I mean, like, if ever oh. we needed a, like... I need a week off. Well, grand for you, but some of us have to fucking work from home. Oh, like. sorry. Obviously, I'd work from home. My bosses might listen to this. Mm, <laughs> no. Um, yeah, but like, it's also a very worrying, clear sign of global warming, so... Yeah, but we get a buzz, really, really hot Kind summers. of not a buzz. We get really hot summers, yeah. Just a remember of that blistering summer we had last year. Um, so we can get on board with snow, but global warming is not a bandwagon and we should all be making more conscious efforts to be more environmentally sound. Breed, what's the next bandwagon? Do you know what? We should list? all be more consciously making an effort, whatever you just said. <laughs> <laughs> Supporting the nurses. Yes. <laughs> Segway, segue of the, the men. Yeah, so they've been. Um, I think there's been three strike days so far. I actually was due to go in for an MRI and it got postponed because the nurses. And I don't mind at all. Um, I'm fine, by the way. I'm just love the attention. So if you're worried, <laughs> continue to do so. Um, yeah, like they're under. They're working in insane, overcrowded conditions for very shit pay. All I can ask is stand with them at a picket. Um, if you've nurses in your life, let them know how loved they are, how much their work is valued and appreciated. Maybe do something like small acts of kindness if you have bring a nurse them out in a cup of tea if they're protesting. Exactly, yeah. Um, I think Just Eat sent a load of them somewhere. Maybe Vincent's somewhere. They sent them out a heap of pizza and didn't like say it at all. Uh. But then it came out, and I was like, "That's nice." It wasn't a publicity thing. It was just genuinely to be sound. I know Beaumont House was doing free tea, coffee, and sandwiches for the nurses up at Beaumont. Yeah. So fair well. play to those businesses supporting yeah, them as well. More of you should do it. Um, then they're striking today, to, which is, yeah, they're striking today, the 14th, the 19th and the 21st. So just get out and shout for them. We have a Taoiseach who is shouting them down pretty much and a Minister for Health, which is just Who is married gross. to a nurse. Yeah, and who had like, who's, who had a baby delivered via midwife fucking however many weeks ago and a very short memory, Simon Harris. He's not listening, but <laughs> he might be. Um, yeah, just get on that bandwagon. He's Change your profile picture. He is behind you. <laughs> 
ominous. Uh, it brings back the. Do you, have you ever heard of the vampire rumors about vampire? Vampire <laughs> about Simon Harris? No, he's a vampire. Oh, I'm there's nothing else to do with that, but he is a vampire. And no, like Twitter just started it where it's like, oh, Simon Harris gas drinks blood, and people oh are just well behind it. Like, yeah, that's so funny. Um, yeah. That's it. That's gas. That is a roller coaster of an episode. <sighs> Stop. We have to apologise. We are a bit under the weather today because we are very hungover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, shout out to our gal, Amy Blake, for giving us the goods on the other night. Yeah. Um, probably the reason why I'll never drink again either. So. And we'll never record hungover again. This no. Is um, shakeable. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Um, as always, you can find us on social media. We're at Bandwagons Pod most places. Instagram, Twitter. That's it. Yeah. Um, if, and if uh, you have um, talents that you think you could contribute to the podcast, do get in touch. If you want to edit this for me, class. <laughs> if you want to do us a really cool theme tune, I'll give you a fiver. <laughs> Breathe not well. Breathe not well today. Yeah, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We will be on Stitcher shortly. Um, if we get accepted. Yeah. We, I, my, Calista Jones hasn't listened to one episode of this podcast. because she, she just didn't want it Because she can't. Yeah, I know. She was like, I don't really like Spotify. And I was like, oh, okay. But I think it's just because she's averse to bad language. And I've already warned her that... I curse substantially on this and her reply was do you know what now Fanula? you and Brie don't need to use bad language because you've such lovely voices and she's dead fucking <gasps> right first time I've heard that <laughs> yeah um, anyway keep on listening keep on listening um, back with keep another on. juicy episode potentially less grim uh, definitely come at you soon uh, episode suggestions as well give us a shout on Instagram yeah so you can get us we're always looking for new bandwagons to hitch up to uh, so thanks a million guys I've been Fanula I've been Breed and we have been Bandwagons Bye Bye